But somehow they got my email, and next thing I knew, you knew, it was like tons of performing artists, mainly musicians, lots of songwriters, people who just don't, didn't, they needed a quiet space or a place to either that was small enough, you know, because the only thing I like to say is you need to be able to sell out a 50-seat theater before you can sell out a 500-seat mm -hmm. theater. What is the newest music club in North Beach? How do you open a music club in San Francisco? Why open a music club? These questions and more are answered in this episode. Our guest is the executive director of The Lost Church, Brett Klein. The Lost Church is actually found at 988 Columbus, across from La Rocca's near the corner with Chestnut. Here's our episode. It's a rainy November 1st in San Francisco. Nice surprise. Yep. We can use it. Love a little rain. Yeah. Water is good. It's great. Uh, and I'm here at the Lost Church San Francisco with Brett Klein, the executive director. Hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, thank you for talking with us. Love it. Thanks so much for coming down. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so much to talk about. This is a almost brand new venue. Yep. Yeah, um, and represents a return to San Francisco for the Lost Church. So uh, let's talk about the people who you book oh, yeah. uh, and how you approach that. Uh, yeah. yeah, so... You, you probably have some sort of guiding philosophy about that. You've mentioned people who need a house uh, this size, mm -hmm. roughly, to be able to present their art. What are the other aspects that you're looking for when you book? Well, traditionally, so really we consider ourselves a vending machine for the arts, right? We're, our job is to hold the space, run it as efficiently and, and as possible to get the most chance for an artist to make money, you know, working to play here. And so, um, really, people find us. We do not, you know, we just kind of have a waiting list most of the time. Um, and the people who have the biggest needs, so the people who are applying, were mainly people who, number one, we have, we, at the old space especially, we had volume limitations, you know? Yeah. And so, we'd say, okay, you can, bring a drum, you can bring drums in, but you need to put a pillow in the kick drum, you need to play with brushes, because the drums is where everything starts. Or, so it's either no drums or yep. very limited drums because you have to then layer in all the other instruments on top of it and just gets louder and louder. So exactly. you keep the drums low. Yep. So number one was a volume limitation. And for the first few years, I actually didn't let microphones happen. Because uh -huh. I, I opened the space, I can project, you know, I, I don't think you needed them having been there yeah, in, in, at Cap Street. But. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, then at about year two, this really sweet little, singer-songwriter who is basically a whisper singer it was still a great show but she was the first one I was like you actually could use a microphone you know like I it was tough watching her struggle she was game she played along but that was when that was what opened the doors to the you know Satan and all of his things also known as feedback you know and like because I'd gone to New Orleans and just seen brass bands just singing and dancing and playing in these little rooms with no PA system sure. I was like Humans can get back to, and I, yeah. I, I hated, 
I still hate going to shows and having to put cotton in my ears. I, I find it mind-blowing. It's awful. It's just like, what is going You're on? You're abusing the music. Yeah, why are yeah. we, you know, I get it. Drummer's got to play, but still, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that, uh, so that was number one, like key volume. Uh, and then you have to, we have a few basic things, like you can't be playing tons of free shows around, or because we do need you to bring at least, say, 25 people. You know, and if you're playing free, everyone goes to your free show. But so the basics were someone who wanted it, who could appreciate it, who wanted, who could play it at low enough volume, who wasn't going to bring in a 20-piece band. We can now do a lot bigger bands mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Um, but uh, the space kind of dictated what could come in there, and other bands would want to come in. We at the end we had like live band karaoke was a monthly thing because um, I. But they all could play quietly. I mean, they, they like it was still rock and roll. They were doing rock and roll covers, but they could play at reasonable volumes that we could do. So that that was really it. And then um, I really, I've as I ran out of time and just started running the theater and didn't have much time to do my theater pieces anymore. I was really bummed that we were missing out the diversity of performance. We really were like starting to do just all just mainly music, mm -hmm. you know, tons, of, which I love acoustic music, but it, we're a theater, you know, I wanted to see all these different performances happen. So one of the first guy, ones who came along was Brad Barton, Reality Thief, who, um, he came along in about year two or three, and he's a magician. And he sold out every, the first Wednesday of every month for, you know, nine, ten years. And so I love that kind of, I love Brad. I'm really excited in our new space, we now have the Knights of Reverie, which is this surreal improv dream comedy. It's amazing, it's beautiful, it's very humanist. You know, I, I think that's the other thing, there's gotta be a certain amount of work. It, it's not like some white trash hate band ever has wanted to come play the Lost Church, but obviously everything we do is about love for people and showing that people are good people, you know? Like, that's what I love about the space. And it's like seeing a show at the Lost Church really makes you appreciate people in all their different forms i feel like you know like you, you read the news and it's just like we're just awful we're we there is there we are not worth saving but then you get 25 50 people in a room listening to a beautiful musician share their heart and their art and like mm -hmm. you're like you come away feeling better it is a, it is a like for lack of a word a kind of a religious religious experience mm -hmm. you know a humanist religious experience yeah. and um so it's kind of that when looking for people who fit in one way or another that are fun, lighthearted. We don't do a lot of heavy drama theater. You know, all my theater pieces were singing, dancing, dying. You know, like every, it was always a murder mystery. Everybody died at the end. You had these little cut up red streamers that you'd throw and so everyone had gore all over them but it didn't ruin your clothes. So, you know, it's about having fun and enjoying. So that, those are kind of the things we're looking for when we were, when we were booking people. And, if anyone out there is interested, go to thelostchurch.org, look up under contact, you'll see all our booking information, it says everything we ask, because we also, you need to have the basics, you need to have a website, you need to be able to promote, you know, if you're not there yet, then we say like, well, hey, come back when you are, uh -huh. but we, that, that's kind of the basics, we need to have uh -huh. someone who's at that level enough, we can be your first show, but mm. you need to have that, all the, the ability to promote, uh -huh. you know. Yeah, and and you have a mailing list. People can sign up yep. at the website. Yep, you can sign yeah. up for our email list there. Uh, we're on all the the various social media, 
we have an Instagram account for the SF Theater as well as the Santa Rosa Theater on I think we're even on Twitter. We got a YouTube channel. We have a really I, we really built out the over COVID spent that money and building it yeah. out the back end of the organization so we can really do because the old space was we were pirate style you know yeah. we were totally illegal yeah and people were just we never were a problem so we were allowed to exist right but we also didn't throw it in the various gods that be faced by advertising or doing things like that and so now we we take out ads we have you know we're able to advertise we're all over social media and so um we have we have a good promotion team now so we're doing a much better job with that both the locations open whenever anybody wants to play okay you know so generally we're we're aiming Santa Rosa there's just not quite the same uh, you know amount of performers up there so we tend where we tend we've actually been doing a lot of Friday Saturday Sundays with matinees on Saturday and Sunday so that's kind of doing four or five shows but yeah. all around the weekend up there okay um, but there's also uh, there's a songwriters night but roughly up there let's say they're aiming for Wednesday through Sunday uh-huh. um, down here we generally we're currently booking uh, it's a little slower with the holidays in the next few months but normally about six nights a week yeah. you know we're normally Tuesday through Sunday or Wednesday through Sunday something like that great um, yeah, Brad yeah. Barton, Reality Thief, first Wednesday of every month. He's excellent. The other big one I always like to uh, throw out there is You're Gonna Die, Poetry, Prose, and Everything Goes. Have you been to that? No. Oh, it's a beauty. Ned Buskirk, he's amazing. He came along at about year four or five because they were all over at Viracocha, and then Viracocha got shut down because that's kind of the history of all these little unique spaces. They have a, a, they have a half-life of two years, a full life of maybe five years, and normally at that point... You know, the the person who's given their life and soul to keep it open, mm. the martyr, you know, mm. it dies and gives up and retreats, you know. I mean, like, and that's what happened to Viracocha. They were just crushed under a huge lease and a huge amount of rent. And so we got, overcame Ned Busker from with You're Gonna Die. And um, it's an amazing open mic, though Ned does a lot of the talking and reading during it is what in between. So it's got, and he's just an amazing guy. But it's all about death, dying, loss, and why we really should that. Why that means that you really need to appreciate the time you have alive, you know. And it's a very positive, uplifting, and a weeper. Uh, but it's an amazing, amazing show, and that's the second Thursday of every month. Um, so the, the, those are kind of the shows we like to do, you know, um, ones that really, we try to have this diverse range. What I really loved about the old place and we're kind of trying to bring it back was, let's say you want it, we had Casey Turner's uh, open mic. Yeah. So let's say, so the first one actually, we ended up having live band karaoke. So there was a live band, you get to come and sing in front of the band. So that was like, you wanted to always be in a band, okay. Go do live band karaoke. Fine. Now you're excited. You go home and you write your first songs. Now you go to work Casey Turner's singer-songwriter night. Right. You, know? <laughs> you do that enough times. 
now you get to book your own show and you have your own band. Yeah, so, right. Uh, so that's progression. Kind of, yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, and that sort of was the whole model behind the theater in general is that you know yeah. you got to have these different rungs of the ladder you before do. you can play the five hundred seat. You got to you need to have ten times as many fifty seat theaters as you do five hundred seat theaters, yeah. but it's actually an inverted number. Yeah, you know you have one little theater to ten huge theaters, and so mm -hmm. like so your options are go play a bar. Which yeah. I love bars. I'm not nothing against them. I, I have. I'm in punk rock bands. We're perfect for bars, <laughs> but that's not what a lot of artists are looking for. Mm -hmm. They want people to pay attention. You mm -hmm. know, like that's what the Lost Church brings is that theater feel of we sit and we watch. Yeah. You know, we're not talking during your show. Yeah. And so um, that's um, kind of what we have to offer. Beverages you offer here. Oh, so we have we actually have a full bar, a, a full liquor license, but we currently have a nice. We're, I'm trying to expand our non-alcoholic range. Um, we do have some non-alcoholic beers and nice Guinness and stuff. I really want to get a better range of because currently we have like Coke and Sprite, and I'd like to get a, get a nicer range. I'm just having a hard time kind of finding things that fit in our price and fit in the fridge because we don't want to have glass in here as well. Um, okay, yeah. but then we basically a lot of beer and wine. Yeah. You know, so okay. we have uh, a pretty nice selection of IPAs and lagers and things like that. And um, Sounds good. Yeah. In this next segment, Brett gives us the nitty-gritty and demystifies how you go about looking for music club space in our city. It's quite an interesting tale, I think. Then at that point, I thought we were made in the shade. You know, I thought, I was like, we got the money. There's all these empty spaces. This is yeah. going to be easy, you know? It was so stressful looking for a space. I can't even tell you because we also, we had a grant from Hardly Strictly Bluegrass oh. because they'd shut down that yeah, year right. to find and open a space. Oh, wow. And we needed to report at the end of the year what yeah. we'd done with their money. And they sure. were very forgiving and kind. But there's always this thing of you want to like, especially your first time getting big yeah. chunks of money. You want to honor it. Yeah. The best you can. Yeah. And show like, this is, we did it, you know, or, or this is why we didn't do it. And um, it was coming up for our final report. And I just really wanted to at least be able to tell me how to lease, you know. And I'd been looking. I mean, I was walking the streets of the mission. The first plan, I, I was... Hoping to stay in the mission, though I was a little nervous about I thought it would be tough because we have these very specific needs of we can't be too big of a space because we can only afford so much rent. But we still need sprinklers, HVAC, you know, which is heating, I don't even know what HVAC, air conditioning, heating. Heating, ventilation. Ventilation, yes, thank yes. you. <laughs> People always ask me about HVAC because I'm like, it's the air conditioner and the heating, but ventilation, of course. <laughs> yeah, the HVAC system and all these things, but... Also, we can't have anyone living above us. Oh. So, yeah, because we can't have an apartment. Wow. You so know? you're already narrowing the funnel tremendously. Yeah, because if you're just going to be wow. fighting with your neighbors yeah. the whole time. Even though we like keep, the clapping yeah. is very loud. It's amazing how loud oh, clapping is. Interesting. Even if you don't have it drums. It penetrates. Yeah, it's just like... It, it's percussion. Yeah, and it's not. it doesn't have the same penetration the way uh, like a kick drum does yeah. or a bass. But... You know, it, it people pick it up. You're gonna hear it. You're gonna hear <laughs> it. Like, and so you just can't have people wow. living on your ceiling. And um, so looking around, looking around, nothing in the mission. Um, then I start hunting at about month four or five. I really, I mean, we were look. I widened and really started looking. I thought the financial district was where we were gonna land. You know, very few apartments above right. you. All the infrastructure there yep. near Bart. 
which yep. is, was a big thing for me. Bart, like being near Bart was one of my high... That was 16th Street, I think. Yeah, we were at Cap 16th was. and Cap. Yeah. So, we were, right. so we got a lot of right people there. coming in from the East Bay, Oakland. Right. You know, it, it, it's really great to be, you know, public transportation. I'm a huge supporter and believer in it. And so um, that's right. another point for the financial district. I was like, it's close to BART. And man, there was nothing. Either they were super huge there is, or they, like, people just, there were six or seven dollars a square foot, even yeah. though there's, every shop was empty at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I know, yeah. It was uh, desolate. Uh, it was absolutely desolate. And yet, finally, at about, let's say, month 10, I found this one space. And the, the way the process works is you're allowed to go in once, generally. Then you make an offer. If they accept your offer, you're then allowed to go back in there. So I go in, and I see the space, I'm like, well, it's interesting, it had a top floor and a bottom floor. They said it was 3,000 square feet, but I, I mean, there was a ground floor and a basement. Okay. So you'd come in right on the ground floor, it was like on Kearney Street, and um, had sprinklers, it had the elevator in between the two floors, and I'm walking in, the, but it was really, it was definitely small, and the ceilings down below were, where, where you have about... 10 feet of ceiling here, I think a little bit. You know, it's not like a high ceiling, but it's certainly not a low mm -hmm. ceiling in this space. You yeah. Know? This had a low ceiling, like, and then the upper end, but so I'm looking at it, but I was getting pretty desperate. I was like, well, this could work, you know? So we made an offer, they accepted the offer, but they were only gonna give me four years of lease. I was, at that point, I was kind of still hoping it wasn't gonna cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars, that it might've been more of a turnkey space. Um, and what was the time frame you were looking at this? So I'm just the, curious yeah, because the landlords probably thought, well, we're, we can't afford, we don't want to lower our lease rates right now. Yep. And they hadn't yet learned any lessons of what was going to go on for two and a half years. Yeah, so well, but this, when, this was now, this, this is in the heart of the beat. Like, so let's okay. say we shut down March of 2020. This is coming up on a year later. So this is, okay. yeah, January, February uh, of 2021. Yeah. Actually, well, let me think about this. So we got, we actually got the lease. It was even later. Okay. It was even like April, May, June. So it was later because uh, we got the lease here in October of 2021. I almost went with that other space. That would have been, let's say, um, you know, uh, September or something. Oh. I was almost signed. So September of 2021 is when I was like in these negotiations. And they never opened a conversation with you about, oh, we'll we'll forgive or no, cut nothing, it at all. Nothing. And this landlord, she was more reasonable. We got on the phone, um, but she'd only give us a four year lease, and it kept having pretty serious bumps in yeah. rent. So it was getting pretty high. Like the rent was getting at the. You know, you go in with a certain budget and then you realize you have to expand your budget. And this was even at the limit of my expanded budget. Mm -hmm. And so um, the main issue was it was only four years. But I finally, they allowed me and I kept going by the place and I'm kind of looking in the window. And I'm like, man, it seems really small. You know, like, how am I going to make this work? Because there is the whole thing of I knew we'd never be able to recreate Cap Street. That's just a very unique space. It's an architecturally significant space. It had that curvy walkway through it that was built by David Ireland. He's a minimalist sculptor. It's now like a historic building. It's a very unique, special space. Right. So you know you're never gonna be able to recreate it. 
but you have to, the, and the, people loved it so much. You know, we have a very devoted following. So it was like the, the pressure was on to make sure there was something different and unique. It, just some, like bringing something, a little extra something in some way or another. You can't just go from a really beautiful rad space into like a cramped shoebox or people are going to abandon ship, you know, then. Yeah. So um, I, we finally get in, they accept our agreement. We were going to get this four year lease. I go in and I'm like, and we were allowed to measure it. That was the whole thing. We brought in um, one of these people who they come in with their lasers and yeah. get you a real layout because she didn't have uh, an, uh, an architectural drawing of the space. Yeah. So and I'm sitting in there and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I can make this place work. Like I just could not, it was close, but it, what the whole problem was the downstairs, each space was only about, they were long enough, but they were only about 12 feet wide. Wow, that's narrow. So narrow, <clears throat> so narrow. And like the upper space, I, I kept trying to think of like, okay, maybe we can do like two small individual events or something. You know, I was just trying to figure out how yeah. to make the space work because it would have been fun to explore that space and it had a back alley. But I just could not ultimately figure out where the actual theater was going to go in this space. You know? Wow. Like, I'm just kind of like, oh, my God. And I'm just, now I'm having panic attacks, you know? Like, because I really was under the gun to fulfill the, on, the deals of our grant. Even though, again, hardly strictly the Hellman Foundation, they were not, they were incredibly supportive. They were, but it, the pre I was putting the pressure on myself. So I went back. And then when the drawings came in and it was a thousand dollar, a thousand square feet smaller than what it was advertised as. So it was really oh. two 1,000 square foot spaces on top of each other, right? Okay. So it was about 2,000 square feet, but two little spaces on top of each other. And so I went, I went home, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how in the world we're going to make this work. I, uh, start going online, you know, and I was searching that whole time. It's not, yeah, to, yeah. you know, like okay. I was looking, I had not stopped looking just uh -huh. because we were in negotiations. Cause I, you know, sure. And so I found this place, I called up our broker. I'm like, I found the place here on Columbus and I was like, well, this might work. It was a little bigger than I was expecting. Cause this is about 3000 square feet. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I was, and I was like, God, and it's, it's a little out there. You know, I, I was nervous about North Beach. I love North Beach, but like growing up and spending the last 27 years in the mission, I just would never drive to North Beach or anything because I hate I fear of parking, you know? And um, so I rode my bike over here. And as I pull up, I, I see Cobbs across the street. I see bimbos across the street. Sure. And I'm kind of like, and then this trolley goes by and I'm kind of like, man, this, this could work, you know? So the broker shows up, we come down, and even though it was just a hollowed out, gray carpet on the floor, fluorescent lights, everything gray, the actual the stairwell, which was one of my favorite things that goes up to Columbus, I, I was really excited about that, is being able to create a fun entrance into the space, you know, like, so we put all the art there. But I walked in and I was like, man, this could really work, mm -hmm. you know? I, I love it. Yeah, thanks, yeah, I, I was like, I, I, you know, cause I, I, what I love doing is building theaters that that's, that's where I get. And then I love running the spaces and seeing everybody have a love. But for me, like the artistic part of it is I love building out theaters and I, I get excited by seeing gray boxes or like an, an empty <laughs> garage and figuring out how you can make it look, you know, hang some chandeliers uh -huh. and make it look really, 
you know, non-industrial or something else. And you, so you've uh, got expertise in this for sure. Yeah, thanks. Me, I got to say, me and uh, my wife Elizabeth, she's the co-founder of the Lost Church. She is the one who uh, really makes it beautiful and warm. Mm. You know, like I can build, I can paint, I can hang lights. I have a good eye for that. She was the one who, in the old Lost Church first went and found these little Bergen, these little flower lights and put uh -huh. on the wall, you know, like yeah. those ones over there. there yeah. And they're, um, they're kind of these burgundy, for those of you who can't see it, they're sort of these little tiny, like almost fairy flower lights. And, I'll have to take a picture. Yeah. And so she brings that and she's a seamstress, designs all the drapes, mm -hmm. sews and makes all the drapes. Wow. You know, so we, yeah, we're definitely, it's a power couple. Uh, <laughs> they create, it's definitely not all me that, you know, it's the masculine and the feminine that can make, I think if it was just a dude making all this, it would not, it would not be anywhere near as awesome. In this next segment, we go back about 10 years and we learn about the amazing DIY capabilities of Brett and his wife. Well, so we, um, we opened the original Lost Church in our living room in, uh, in my home, which is kind of an old art gallery space. And um, that was February, Valentine's Day of 2011. And it was my wife and I used to have a little punk rock band and we had been touring around for a few years and kind of rented out a bulk of my home. Then we came home to uh, attempt to have children, of which we now have one, U Ulysses, who's nine. He was actually born one night after a show at the Lost Church uh, as a home birth. Um, yeah, so almost born on the stage, not quite. <laughs> born in the green room, actually, um, which was our kitchen at the time and would later become the green room. But so that was all in 2011, and we did it just to, I wanted to start doing little musicals. I'd always wanted to write them. So I started writing them, and almost immediately we just, I didn't even know how people found me. I don't even think we had a website at that time. And um, maybe it was just like we announced everything on Facebook or something. But somehow they got my email. And next thing I knew, you knew, it was like tons of performing artists, mainly musicians, lots of songwriters, people who just don't, didn't, they needed a quiet space or a place that either that was small enough, you know, because the only thing I like to say is you need to be able to sell out a 50-seat theater before you can sell out a 500-seat mm -hmm. theater. And there's way more artists who need a 50-seat theater than need a 500-seat mm -hmm. theater. And yet, these are the hardest to keep alive because we have all the same permitting and regulations and insurance. Mm -hmm. And we're still a place of assembly, so you need to have sprinklers and HVAC and right. ADA accessibility. This new space, which is why we ended up moving ultimately, was for ADA accessibility. So our new space has an elevator, which is great. Um, and... Uh, Basically, uh, all these artists started reaching out and booking shows and really wanted to play our little space. And um, I didn't really have the bandwidth to, I ended up writing about 11 musicals over those first three years. We were trying to do them kind of quarterly. And, um, but even so, there was tons of other time for room for other people to play. Mm -hmm. And I guess by about year four or five, we were doing shows seven nights a week and even some matinees. You know, it really like the need was obvious. And right. so um, from that, we decided as we realized we ultimately, even way back when we knew we were going to have to move at some point, we, we also knew it was going to be a ton of money. This actually cost us about, well, not a, it, it cost about $200,000 to move and open this space. Yeah. You know, uh. After getting through all the permitting. And that's even with a space that already had 
sprinklers and HVAC and uh, ADA accessibility to the elevator. Yeah. So we had to put in four bathrooms. They run about $80,000. You know, the permitting process is intensive. You yes. Know, or intense, I guess would be the word. And um, so, uh, yeah, kind of circling back, what ended up happening, we knew back then, we were, so we were always looking, kind of keeping our eye out. Mm. We, I tried to start getting grants to be able to move, and it, it's so tough in the art world to get a grant. Yeah. Basically, you have to apply, the, the average is like three to five years before you get it. These grants take, you know, 40 to 50 to 60 hours to actually get everything together for them, you know? So it's really a full-time job. So I applied for three or four back then, didn't get them, and I was like, this is insane. I'm spending hundreds of hours on this, no money, you know, not making any money. I, I'm just going to go back to, like, booking shows and, like, trying to run the theater. And at some point, you know, it's a chicken and the egg thing. I knew we'd need to hire a development director. These are the people in the nonprofit world who get grants. I don't know. Some yeah. people aren't right. familiar with that. Uh -huh. It's kind of an interesting title. Um, but I knew we were going to have to get one, but uh, it's chicken and the egg. You need a grant to pay a development director because, you know, selling 50 tickets is not going to support the salary. I mean, that we only survived all those years because we pretty much got free rent. You know, right. I had an absolute bare bones salary just from running the theater and my wife made good money back then. So I didn't have to make as much, money, you know, we could survive. We could survive. Yeah. Um, and some grants won't allow you to pay a salary out of the grant too. Yeah. They're true. restricted that way. Yeah. That's very much true. But what's nice is you can then, um, we've gotten though, well, so what ended up happening is, uh, at that point, we became a nonprofit. We'd become a nonprofit, say 2016. Um, started trying for grants in 2016. Gave it up. Went to back to just that, and that's when we also hatched the idea of um, trying to create a chain of these through California. You know? Yes. And so, um, because we'd been touring around, and California is the toughest, one of the tougher states to tour in because our cities are so far apart. Yeah, right. You know, so if you're only getting a hundred dollars or fifty dollars for your show, you know, and you've got a hundred and fifty in gas, right? So it was trying to create a little touring route. Okay. So I'd always make a little speech before every show about this is what we were doing, and we were looking for another place. And a fellow came up after the show one night; he was performing and. Uh, he actually kind of, I always loved when the artist would kind of take the themes that I talk about in the little opening about community and how they need these spaces and they'd kind of run with it, you know, and sort of, and he really did it. His name is John Courage, great, great uh, musician. And so he comes up and he's like, man, Santa Rosa, it's quite a place. I think you'd really like Santa Rosa, you know, and we got all this art and community, you know, and I think, you know, we're really trying to make it a place that musicians can live long-term and have a place to play, you know, not have to be on the road all the time. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, so are you my man? Because because that's the thing, you always need a point person sure, of course, in yeah. each place. You can't just go start from scratch and try to create community. There needs to be a community that needs the space and you go and address the need. Absolutely. You know? yeah. So I was like, are you my man? He's like, no, <laughs> but I know who is. Uh, oh. <laughs> Josh Windmiller. And Josh Windmiller uh, has been doing events up in Santa Rosa for 10, 15, mm. even longer years, 20 years, you know, very much a very kind of vaudevillian carnival. He has this band, The Crux, um, you know, they play every, you know, from accordions to chains, he plays guitar, but very vaudevillian kind of carnival. Uh -huh. Yeah, feel. yeah, great. And um, I, I 
called him. He came down and looked at the deer. He's like, wow, this is great. And he's like, you know, a lot of people had actually approached him about opening a venue in Santa Rosa, but he'd run enough spaces and enough mm. events. He was like, I don't see how this is going to fly. Mm. You know, and he, but he was like, so you showed him the template. Yeah. Of. Yeah. So he came down to our space over on Cap Street. We sat and yep. talked and he's like, uh, and he'd been running Railroad Square Music Festival, which is a free uh, outdoor festival. And it's like June 7th off, uh, often. It's a, well, it's like around think, there. Yeah. The first Sunday, <laughs> yeah. first Sunday normally. <laughs> And it's just, it's insane. I mean, normally about 6,000 people. There's five or six stages. Mm. It's just around the whole downtown square. Yep. And um, this is great info for our listeners in northern uh, Bay Area, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Yep. And uh, so he introduced me to people in the city up there. Um, we got a small funding from them to open, but, I was, but it wasn't enough to actually like really do it i was like we need to partner we needed we got enough money from the city to do a rough build out mm, but then good. we needed a partner like who owned buildings you know yeah. a landlord who was willing and when were you going through that cycle right this there? was all maybe 2018 okay and it took us about a year to find a, a landlord cornerstone properties up there they own some various buildings up there and they're incredibly community-minded and they're like, hey, come look at this building. It, ultimately, it's going to get knocked down, but we can oh. give you a space for a oh. few years, you know, uh -huh. until we do. And then we'll move oh. you into our new building. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. You know? Yeah. I think it's amazing. So, so what is the address for this? That the is, Lost Church Santa Rosa. Yeah, the Lost Church Santa Rosa is 427 Mendocino. But as in all Lost Churches, it's tough to find. So it's actually around the corner it's in the garage there that we built out to look. It's got chandeliers. It's got burgundy drapes, you know, uh -huh. ivy on the pipe. You know, it's, oh. a, it's a really cool space. But the, um, the, it only appears when the door rolls up. And then uh -huh. there's another wall behind it. It has, <laughs> like, our little... So it's around the corner on Ross Street. But uh, the, the front entrance to that building is 427 Mendocino. Yeah. So um, we met, we uh, got the space... Um, then let's say in 2019 worked my butt off, you know, was going up there every day. That's where, cause that's the other thing is that these spaces need to be about an hour and a, I'm, I'm not willing to drive longer than an hour and a half as well on a daily basis to, you're really a musician. Do. You understand. Yeah. <laughs> so I was driving up there every day. We got the garage, you know, tore it out, painted the whole thing, painted the ceilings, the walls, you know, did our usual burgundy, green floors, dark black uh, tops, ceilings, mm -hmm. and um, opened that one in January of 2020. Yeah. So, you know, along came March of 2020 and that got shut down as well. But I, at first I was just heartbroken and then I was just extremely grateful because I was like, oh my goodness, what if we hadn't opened in time? Yeah. What, because that was a two-year process to get that theater open. Just like this has been a two-year process. Mm -hmm. It took a year to find this space here on mm -hmm. Columbus. Yeah. Uh, and then a year to build it out, get through all the permitting. And so up there, I was just like so glad. Because he basically, the landlord, Cornerstone Properties, they want they wanted a proof of concept. You know, they had come down as well. People from the city had oh. come seen our space. But ah. he, my landlord, actually had not come down and seen the cap street space. So he wanted... And so I was so grateful we were actually able to get the proof of concept up, you know, and he got to see it. But so we shut that space down. But now kind of, uh, so 
what ended up happening, actually this, this works timeline okay. So at that point, I didn't think in any, there was anyone held that the economy was just gonna shut down. I was like, I'm looking at the numbers and you know, from my point of view, I was like, I think way more people are gonna die from starvation, you know, like by shutting down the economy, all these lower income people, like you can't, there's no Service way. workers, etc. Yeah, I, I just didn't think there was any way we'd be able to do that. And I was wrong. And uh, I realized that about, let's see, so I, I, it'd be, there were, I didn't think we were going to shut down. I was like, we're staying open, we're wearing masks, we're doing whatever we need to do. But I was definitely like, the show must go on. And, but then you could see the tide shifting, you yeah. know, like, and pretty much there was one performer who was supposed to play, um, let's say we, everything got shut down Tuesday the 9th or something like that. Let's say this is. He was supposed to play Friday the 6th or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the day before, he, he, he's like, hey, I, I need to cancel my show. You know, we're just not comfortable. Our people aren't comfortable, comfortable mm -hmm. coming out. And I was like, oh, that's it. You know, because he was a hardliner like me. He was a <laughs> show must go on guy. Okay, right. And so at that point, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not fighting this anymore. Yeah. Shows are canceled. We shut down everything. I think then the next day or Saturday, whatever, they made the official announcement that yeah. you actually did have to shut down. Uh -huh. um, shut down the Santa Rosa Theater, shut down the San Francisco Theater, pretty much laid everybody off. Um, we all went on unemployment and made way more than we did working for the lost church. How about that? Yeah. Oh man, those those were that was, it was impressive the amount of cash the government flooded the the economy with. You know, I mean, we all made a lot more money being on unemployment. <laughs> but what happened is, uh, I pretty much right away applied for an economic disaster loan, a uh -huh. disaster relief loan. Yeah. And we got it. Okay. And so that's a thirty-year loan. You get for like two point nine nine percent. I actually okay. am making our first payment after this after this interview. Congrats. I'm gonna go online and make our first repayment. I'm hoping someday they'll just forgive it, but at this point. But so I took that money and immediately hired Josh as our full time development director, Josh Winmiller, who went to, because he was he raised that $65,000 for Railroad Square Music Festival. A lot of it was not just grants, you know, he got, let's say grants, but it was also donations, money from the city. Sponsors and yeah, sponsors, yeah. I was just so impressed right. with his ability sure. to create a budget and get funding for the budget, yeah. you know? And so we hired him and he and I worked together uh, nonstop, just going after any sort of the COVID cash we could. Okay. You know, everything from the PPP loans yep. to the shuttered venue operators grant. Yep. And that's how we managed to raise the 200 grand to get this place open as well as Terrific. Phase. Yeah. So, good, good use of leverage. Yeah. No, it was definitely the chicken and the egg. COVID Whew. allowed the, the chicken or the egg to something to come <laughs> along first. What time in the evening do the shows generally start? And the, and then matinees too. So we have moved away from matinees here in yeah. San Francisco mainly because it's really tough for us to staff them. Uh, we do you know, most of our folks have other jobs and they were hanging out with their kids on the weekends. So we've moved away from matinees here. Um, 
maybe some point I, I'm hoping to tap into some North Beach people, you know, who'd be interested in coming in working shows and, you know, um, so uh, shows are generally doors are at 730, uh, show starts at 815. Uh, we normally do a one hour set, 15, 20 minute intermission, another hour set, and then wrap everything up by 1030. Everyone's out by 11. Uh-huh. Okay, great. As you're about to hear, this next segment of the interview is very important to the survival of the club. I know what I'd like to highlight. Um, one of the big things that really helps keep these places alive is we have this anchor donor program. And what it is, is for $5, 10 $20 a month, um, you get a little anchor donor pin. It's tax-deductible write-off. But these are really, this is the bread and butter that keeps us alive. Um, it's a bunch of people coming together and giving small amounts monthly, allows us to have a real nonprofit that isn't dependent on big donors. Because the problem with big donors is, they'll come along for a while, you'll get your $10,000 for a few years, but then they often they move, move on. on. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and now you've got a huge hole in your budget, Yeah, you know? And so while we're like, we're, we're in a transition period right now where we need to get off of all the COVID cash, you know, cause those grants aren't coming uh-huh. back. Those were a lot of those were ones offs. Right. And now we have, we are getting some like California arts council grants. We got a grants okay. for the arts, yeah. uh, San Francisco grants for the arts. We yep. got some Sonoma grants for that theater. Mm-hmm. But really what is, is the anchor donors is one of the big things. And I, my dream is that like, Basically, if we can get the whole organization stable, then that actually gives us an opportunity to even give more money back to the artists. You know, that, and that's always sort of the dream is to try to make, you know, I'd love to be able to guarantee every artist, say, sure. 100 bucks. Uh-huh. You know? Right, right. Rather than saying, like, hey, the first 175 yeah. needs to go to us just to cover our basics, and then we do the split on everything after that. So, anyhow, Anchor Donor Program. Okay. Go to the Lost Church to us, and there's a nice donate button up there, and we appreciate it. Next, we're wrapping up with Brett Klein. He and I are giving some love to North Beach and San Francisco. Despite all the hurdles that Brett and his family have had to overcome, they have brought a brand new music venue into our neighborhood, and we are so glad to have them here. I'm going to a show tomorrow night, a night of Leonard Cohen music, and I'm really looking forward to it. Check out The Lost Church at Columbus and Chestnut whenever you can thelostchurch.org. They're also all over social media. They would love to see you. Thanks for listening to North Beach Now. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Blair. Great to spend the time with you. Thank you, and I got to give a big shout-out to Blair. He has been an amazing supporter, um, helped us with the Neighborhood Association here, um, as well as calling in when I believe we were going for our liquor license. Yeah, that and was fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your caller number 25. Yep, okay. Yep, you were. It was great to hear you as I'm sitting there Appreciate sweating it. in the in <laughs> yeah. city hall. Yeah, no doubt. You were sweating a lot more than I was yeah. that day. Yeah, man, wow. that was a lot. That day was actually good. All the hearings were always fun. It was always the pressure was the bureaucracy getting to the hearing. It was <laughs> right. always, you know, when you got in the hearing, man, the city was always like, Thank you so much for all you do. Good. Yeah, it was really great. Like the supervisors, they'd always say at the oh. entertainment commission when we had Good. their hearing. They're, they're, they're like, nice people. Yeah. Oh I, man, I they, they everybody, 
the the amount of bureaucracy and permitting this city has, especially North Beach, the most permitted over, you know, it's still run by beautiful people. They're just stuck in this tangled <laughs> web of bureaucracy as well. But it, there's a lot of heart and soul behind, yeah. you know, the bureaucracy, amazingly. So, anyhow, thank you, Blair. Thanks, thanks so much for happy, having me. And thanks for coming and visiting in the space. Absolutely. Great. Thanks.